Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Great. Good morning, Doxaday Central. You're alive. It's wonderful. It's wonderful having you here with us, and we're really excited. We're praying always that you would meet Jesus, because we believe when you meet Him, everything changes for you. So that's the prayer that I have in my heart for each and every one of you guys that are here. We're kicking off, and you've chose a brilliant Sunday to join us as well, because we're kicking off with a brand new sermon series called Unstuck. Now, before I say anything about this further... I quickly want you guys to get ready to celebrate. Okay, so turn to the person next to you. Tell them, get ready to celebrate. Lift the roof. It's going to be celebration moment now. Okay, cool. So you guys are ready for celebration. All the introverts prepared now. We're going to make it happen. Okay, so here's how it works. Guys, we're celebrating, and I want to quickly share with you, we are seeing an unbelievable amount of growth in our evening service. So much so that it's almost doubled. We've in total seen this year coming in almost 150 new people joining this family. That's very exciting stuff, eh? Okay. Now, as you know, when you get kids and the house gets bigger, there's new challenges. My good friend, Mr. Eugene, would be able to tell you this in person. Now he had two kids, and now he's the father of three. That means new car, new everything. You guys get what I'm saying. Okay, so now we're seeing some growth happening, and we're trusting God for some more stuff in the environment. So from tonight... We usually had a a nice 16, 18-seater bus that we can pick up students with to make it safe for them, especially when it's getting dark. From tonight, we're going to have a 60-seater bus. And we want to fill that baby, okay? So that's very, very exciting stuff. And if you'd like, and the reason why I'm mentioning here is for two, firstly, to celebrate, and secondly, to let you guys know, as you get a new car, you need a new budget. Okay, so if maybe God is placing something on your heart, I thought I'd like to put it out here to see if maybe someone on their heart feels like they want to contribute. We're still taking that step. We're not waiting for people to come, but I do want to put it out there. If you experience God wanting to use you in this way, come and chat to me after the service. Now, with that being said, we are in our series called Unstuck, and it's all about not being stuck. How cool is that? (laughs) Okay, the series was built around you guys telling us what is the areas in your life that you get stuck in, and especially when it comes to your relationship with God. So I want you guys to see this picture when you think about being stuck. Anybody, 4x4 drivers, loves it? farm, stuff like that. Okay, cool. I also had a, I had a guy, his name was Wim Lionel, and he owned LA Sports, so with all the gadgets and stuff with the 4 by 4 So I had many times like this, and I'll, I'm kidding you not, when we got stuck like this, you sit in the car and you think to yourself, I'm all clean now. It's so nice. Now not nice. <laughs> And immediately you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to have to get out, get in the mud, stand behind the car. And then I'm going to say, okay, guys, one, two, three. And then you floor that baby and I'm standing behind the car in the mud. What's going to (laughs) happen? Not going well. eh? So when you're stuck and you're trying to get out of that rut for yourself, usually you just make a bigger mess. Now, now the guys who knows 4x4 knows there are smart ways of getting out of these spaces and situations, this mud. You have this thing called the winch, and it's right connected mostly in the front of your car. And then slow, long process, 
take a cable, comes from the front of the car, look for some or other great anchor that's outside of that puddle of mud that can ground you and that can help you. And you tie that winch around either a tree or, <coughs> sorry, around a big rock or something. And then you winch yourself out of that space. But the only way you can do it is when you are fastened to a solid anchor. And that's what this series is about. It's discovering that you and I, if we are in Jesus, we are fastened to that anchor so that we can live the free life that he has paid so much for us to live. The verse goes like this. That's the series verses. Galatians 5 verse 1. It says the following. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's it. God has set you free so that you can live free. You don't have to live stuck. You don't have to live burdened, enslaved. You can live free. So this morning, we're going to look at how you get unstuck at work, how you can live free. Anybody feel stuck in their workspaces? Anybody here? Just put up your hand. Ever felt stuck? Okay. So it's a real thing. You've been stuck in work. You got that place and like, I don't know of a way out here. Anybody ever sat at work and dreamed about their dream job? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's going really bad. I'm thinking about, okay, maybe I should go that side. Okay, so in fact, quickly turn to the person next to you. Tell them about your dream job. That job that you're dreaming about when you feel stuck in work. Quickly tell them. What's your dream job? Any job in the world. Dream job. I'm seeing some excitement happening. People get excited. I see some of them are saying, you know, Lorraine, my dream job is to just go to heaven one day. And no more work ever, ever, ever again in my life. No more work. And everybody says, amen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe God will change your life today, but let's go and dive into this. So I quickly did some research on dream jobs, and they asked a whole bunch of ladies and a whole bunch of men, what would be your dream job? Here's the top five that came out from each group. The women, top five. Number five, dream job. I would like to be a writer or an author one day. I'm so happy I'm a guy. Let me just say that. <laughs> Number four, I'd like to be an actress. Number three, a vet. Number two, I'd like to be a doctor or a nurse. Number one, we're getting there just now. Okay, for the men, coming in at the number five, I'd like to be an esports gamer. Yeah, dream job. Any guys in the house? Any guys in the house? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love being a guy now. Okay, number four. Love to be a scientist. Some of us need to work. I mean, it's important. And uh, engineering, I want to go and be an engineer. That's number three. Number two, dream job for men is I want to be a musician. Interesting, interesting, yeah. In my next life, guys, in my next life, it's going to happen. Okay, and then the number one dream job for men, and the reason I'm going to mention this now is because the areas where I like being a man, because I can, I can relate to this one. Men said their number one dream job is to become a pro sports star, like playing for the box, basically. That's what it means. Okay, and by the way, guys, we're going to have a nice Boca game, Boca and, and, and the All Blacks and so on, 13th of August. Make sure that you make that date happen and join us here for big screen rugby. Okay, so seeing that it's your dream job. Ladies, on the other hand, dream job number one. They said they'd love to be teachers. 
Now I'm seeing the teachers just like, you do not know what you're saying, girl. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, listen, 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 teachers are amazing people. I'm married to one. I love them to bits, but I know it's not always a dream job, okay? It's some rough stuff there. Okay, now, no matter what your dream job is, can I guess this? Some of us has felt stuck in workspaces. Like, I don't want to be going to work today. Like, really? Do I really? Oh, man, I don't want to go there. It's just not lacking. It's just not nice. So we all get stuck, even if we live in our dream worlds and our dream jobs. So today, we're going to look at how to get unstuck in our workplaces and in our work life. And we're going to do that by looking at three things. Firstly, we're going to look at how there's work behind our work. So there's two reasons why we usually struggle in work, and it's because we're busy with a work that's not our actual work. We're busy with the work behind the work. Secondly, we're going to look at the goodness of work. And now I see faces when I go, what do you mean good? Work is good. What does that mean? I thought like playing is good, you know, all that picture. So we're going to look at how work is actually good. And then lastly, we're going to look at how Jesus sets us free to really work by giving us a rest of the work behind our work. So let's dive in. There is a work behind our work, and we read about it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. You can read with me on the screen. It's right after Adam decides to not do things God's way anymore. We're going to do it our way. And then we see something bad happening to work. Listen to this. To Adam, God said, Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, this endless work, do you see there's a striving to work. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So there's this hard, striving, meaningless gap between the moment I'm born and the moment I die, and that is work. Work is cursed. It's not lacquer. And um, the first thing that we learn in this portion of Scripture is that when work's not lacquer, it's usually because we're stuck in one of these two places that we read about here. The first one is we get stuck when we start working for significance. I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm working for that promotion. I'm working for that paycheck. I'm going to be that guy one day. Work determines who I am. I'm working for my identity, my significance. If my work is not perfect, if I don't have that position, I am a nobody. And I want to be a somebody. So therefore, I work. I put in all the hard effort. I'm like Rocky Balboa that says the following as he's preaching unto all of us here today. He says, every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. So what is he saying? He's saying we're all working to become champions. And the way there is just refuse to give up. You just need to try harder. If you haven't got that, you just continue. And, and then we look to the people next to us and we say, oh, she's there. I'm going to be 
I'm climbing this ladder, baby. I need to put in some effort now. I'm going to get that promotion before she gets it or before he gets it. I'm going to get that work job. Everybody's going to like me because of my achievements, my champion successes. And how do you become a champion? You work and you just don't give up. Now, I know you might be sitting, looking at me and asking, why is that wrong? Well, it's not wrong to do your best at work. However, you pay a price. There is a price. When you work for significance, work to prove your worth, you never rest. That's the price. You pay the price of restlessness. You're worn out. You're tired. Or as Madonna says it so beautifully, I love this quote. You've many times heard me quoting this, but I think she says it so well. She says, in Vogue magazine, speaking about her iron will to prove her reason for existence, she says, and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel like I've made it. It's basically what she's saying there. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being and then I get to another stage and think I'm mediocre and uninteresting again. Have you been there? You've worked for the promotion. You get the promotion. The promotion is not enough. You work for the next promotion. You get the promotion. It's not enough. Been there before? You get the bigger salary. Suddenly you still don't have money. Any case... <clears throat> And I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from the horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. No rest. I need to prove myself. I need to prove myself. That's the thing. So when you work for significance, when you work to prove yourself, the pressure of performance is on you. There's no rest. You have to perform. Now, you might think, well, Lorraine, yeah, she's a girl, and like, she's a sissy, she's not Rocky, Balboa. I mean, he's pushing through, and I just need to push through. I'll, I would like to differ. Listen to this man, Jim Carrey, famous comedian, a guy that made a name for himself. I do think he has reached the top of that ladder in his workspace. He says the following, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that is not the answer. Here you have a guy that's made it in his work and he's discovered that work is not enough to define you. Guys, work cannot make you. Your maker made you. That's the thing. Work can never define you. And if you're in a place in your life where you believe the lie that the quality of the work determines the quality of the person that's behind it, you hear what I'm saying here? My work makes me, makes a name for me. You're enslaved. And you're struggling to get out of that space. When you're working for significance, it leaves you worn out, let down, and restless. You can never rest. That's the problem. You're stuck. Maybe you can relate. The second way we get stuck in work, and that's like, just by the way, the one that we're talking here about is that thorns and thistles and through, through painful toil, I'm working, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a battle to prove myself. And then when you're done, when you're worn out and you can't do it anymore, you get stuck in number two. Number two is you get stuck when you start working for survival. Anybody knows that one? It's that I wake up, Get the kids ready. 
craziness, get them in the car, drop them off at school, go to work, go to rest. Wake up, work, take a break. Wake up, work, take a break. And then it's Friday, take a long break. Then wake up, work, take a break. And then you have that moment when you look at somebody across the table and you have the discussion and you realize, is there anything worth living for? Is this all life is about? Is it just this wake up, work, meaningless cycle of survival? I'm literally just working to get an income. That's it. Have you been there? Anybody in the room can relate to this one. It's like there's no meaning to life. I just need to survive. That's the sole purpose. You almost become a little desert dweller, wandering in the wilderness, looking for the next oasis, that's the paycheck coming in, and hoping that it will last me till the next oasis that's coming in. I'm literally just working for survival. Can I just tell you guys that a survival mentality when it comes to work leads to death? It always does. And it, sometimes we even get aggressively leading to death. In fact, there's this worldview out there that says the paradigm of today is there's no God and it's the survival of the fittest. So I just need to step on the guy next to me to make sure that I get my surviving paycheck. And that's kind of all that work has become for you. There's this meaningless turning around in life and working. So you're either left restless or you're left wondering whenever you're stuck in work when it becomes a significant or a survival focus. When you're in this place, you, can we be honest with one another, are not experiencing any goodness in work. Nobody's excited to go to work when you're sitting with this place. You're burdened to go to work. However, the Bible teaches something quite contradictory. The Bible teaches from the moment we engage with work, it was good. It's really good. It's not like other worldviews are like Pandora's box. Anybody heard about the Pandora box story? It's like you open up the box and all the bad things in this world comes out of that box. All the curses. It's like, I mean, it's plagues. It's sickness. It's death. And it's work. And now everybody's like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, preach it. You know it, pastor. It's exactly my work comes from Pandora's box. I'm sure of it. Okay? And therefore, I can't go to wait, wait to go to heaven because no more work. I have a surprise for you. The picture the Bible shows us of work is, a, is that work, firstly, is very good because it's a part of paradise. How cool is that? Uh-huh. Yeah, all the young guys. <laughs> Let me tell you. God made work to be a part of Pharaoh. So I want you to think about this. When you think heaven, you need to think work and lacquer and good and enjoyment. That's the picture. You and I, we are created for a work. We are to work. It's a part of paradise. If you've ever met people that's not working, you'll discover very quickly they're living a miserable life. It's not always going that well might look nice if I have the money and I throw it all around, but what's the significance? What's happening in my life? You struggle. Okay, so firstly, work is good. That's the picture we see when God creates work, that it's a part of paradise. Secondly, we see something very radical. Work is something God does. God is actually busy working. 
for seven days. I mean, he's putting his hands on. In the beginning, I know, I know. In the beginning when God works, it looks like he's a CEO calling the shots and the stuff just happens. Like, uh, like, uh. Guys, where does God end with his work? Day number six, not calling any shots. Hands in the ground, making the crown of his creation, forming you out of the ground. That's the work of a gardener. Do you guys see what's happening here? That's someone, God places work on the highest level of dignity. There's no work that's lower or higher. Any work in this world is godly. It's good. It's a great good. You were made to work. But some of us don't experience that goodness. Am I right when I'm saying it? Because we're stuck. Work only became a tool to prove my worth or to provide for my income. That's it. That's what work became in my life, and I'm stuck. And I want to show you how Jesus sets you free today. So we are stuck, and there's this promise of freedom in Jesus that we read about in in Galatians. And I want you to think with me for a moment. Jesus came down, and he gives us rest through this finished work that he's doing. How did Jesus come? He came as a worker. In Philippians, we see that he came as a servant. He is the son of man, comes as a servant, humbling himself. A servant is someone that works, guys. Jesus came to work. He also worked with his hands. He did blue-collar work, man. He was, he was the guy doing carpenting. He's a worker. Jesus worked. I mean, this is the son of God that's working. If you want to do cool stuff and follow Jesus, you get to work. I'll never forget the day that I spoke to my brother about this. He lost his job. And he was filled with fear. What's he going to do with his life? He was questioning whether he even studied the right thing to study. I mean, he's an engineer and he lost his job during COVID. And I'll never forget as I'm sitting with him how God just put this word in my heart to encourage him and telling, telling him the following. I said, Shaul, God made you to work. Do you not think he will provide for you a space to work? Don't beg him for a space. Acknowledge that he will give you that space. Say, God, you made me to work. Where do you want me to work next? I'm ready. (laughs) Use me. Do you guys see how you're getting set free? Okay, cool. So Jesus is a worker. He made you to work. Secondly, he didn't just come as a worker. He also came as a wanderer. He was a wanderer. He was wandering on this planet, deserted, exiled, living in exile in a sense. He says the following about himself. He says, foxes have holes, but the son of man doesn't even have a place to rest his head. He's living in exile, wandering around. So he experienced exactly what you and I experience in our workplace every single day of our life. Feels like I'm only needing to survive. That's Jesus' place. No place to belong struggling to find my place in this world. And then ultimately, he would deal with those two things, the restlessness and the exile when it comes to our work that we see in Genesis entered in, living in exile, working very hard. He would deal with it by going to the cross and wearing a crown of thorns. Now, why a crown of thorns? Why so unique? Well, what entered into this world? What did the ground produce after the curse came over the ground, produced thorns. And Jesus suddenly takes the effect of that curse, wears it. He takes what we deserve. He takes the curse so that we can be blessed. And not only that, 
he experiences a cosmic exile from the Father in that moment so that you and I can be found and can be at rest and no longer wander around and live for survival. Okay, so Jesus came to set us free and in that moment, he took what you deserve so that you can have what he deserves. Now, this leaves us with a practical point tonight. Or oh, sorry, this morning, today. Firstly, how do I experience that freedom? I know I've given my life to Jesus, but I'm not experiencing that freedom in my life, making it as practical as I possibly can. You access and you enjoy the freedom that Jesus has bought for you in terms of your workplace when you stop working for significance, working for survival, and working for Jesus. That's it. You need to start working for God. That's how you get unstuck. Listen to this. Colossians 3 verse 23 says the following. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. So you were created to work and you were created to work for who? For him. Light bulb moment, hopefully. Not pastors only. So pastors are not the only guys that can work for Jesus. Managers also. Teachers as well. In fact, any person on this planet is created to work for God. Now, guys, I want you to see how, how that falls off. Why would you work for God now? No longer to work for your identity. Well, because when you've surrendered to Jesus, your workplace, your whole life, what do you become? You become a child of God. You have an identity. It's a gift. You no longer have to work to perform, to show that you're worthy. You are worthy. He paid the price for you, man. You're worthy. You can now work. No longer do you need to work for the work behind the work to try and prove that you're a somebody. You are a somebody. You're so great that he sent the greatest person, Jesus Christ, so that you can be set free. No longer is that burden on you. No more performance. Only rest. Do you guys see? Secondly, when you work for God, who pays the bills? I mean, who's the boss paying the salary? Is it a human master or is it, or is it the king of kings? Hmm. Who provides? The pressure of performance. It's gone. Do you guys see what happens? How powerful it is when we start working for the king. So that's firstly, we work for him. Secondly, and that's a moment of surrender. And I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to surrender your work life to Jesus today. But before that, I want to give you another key. Not just to work for God, but to also work like God worked. The Bible gives us a beautiful description of how God works. In the beginning in Genesis, and I've mentioned it so many times to you guys, God worked by bringing order to a place where there's chaos and there's nothingness. The world was empty and void. Okay, so there's nothing and it's chaos. Then what does he do? He brings order to that chaos by speaking, sharing a word, clarifying. This is light. This is dark. I name the light day. I name the dark night. Naming is ruling just by the way. But God brings order through his work. And I see you speaking loudly now. <laughs> okay. So he brings order in the chaos. I want to ask you practically. What places in your work life is filled with chaos? Where are you experiencing chaos in your workplace? I'm talking about chaos in relationships. 
Like the other day, I told my team, it would have been great to come to work if it wasn't for the boss. Nah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The back, yeah. I'm still signing that paycheck. No, I'm joking. But isn't it true? For so many of us, it would have been great to go to work if it just wasn't for... And you can fill in the blank. There's chaos in that relationship. It's not working. (laughs) And God is empowering you to go and bring order where there's chaos. So maybe you need to forgive. Maybe you need to think about blessing that person. Secondly, maybe there's chaos in the way you do your work. Because you've been only working for survival... So therefore, you're not working, bringing your best to work. There's an integrity gap in your work. You're just doing enough that your manager doesn't have to sort you out. It's like, you know those guys. Oh, here, help me. You always can get them going the whole time. And today is the day that you're going to surrender that worldview and say, God made me to work and it's good. And I make His name great by the way I do my work. I do not work for human masters, but I work for the King of Kings. And that gives my work the greatest meaning in the world. It sets me free. So I want to invite you to do as I've done, because I've walked that road. I built a name for myself in ministry. (gasps) Pastor. Yes, I have. I absolutely did. My first ministry that I ever got, kids' ministry. Yeah, I was successful with 250 kids on a Sunday. Oh, I thought that was made, baby. And the next moment, God took that work away from me and everything in my life came crumbling down because that was who I am. I'm the successful new guy. Check me out. God took it. And He showed me that I'm far more than my work. I'm defined by His finished work. Number one. Number two, I was also struggling to pay the bills. Didn't survive. Challenged me. Pay a tithe on your house that I've blessed you with. That's all your savings. Go for it. While I don't have enough money and income, I'm getting challenged to make a statement that is my provider. He looks after me. Today I'm sitting with two properties on my name. And it doesn't make sense, guys. I'm not telling you this because I'm saying, oh, okay, great, you're going to have two houses. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that when you trust Jesus, He will provide for everything that you need. And you're going to need Him in your workspace. And He's created you to go there and change everything around. Do you know how cool this country will look when people start working for Jesus? And no longer just when somebody drives down the street to check whether the road is sorted out or not. They work for the king. So, we've all received a little business card. Maybe you've brought your business card with. If you have, I want to invite you. In this next song, you can come to the front. Come here. There's two boxes. If you today say, Colossians 3 is what I'm choosing to do with my work. I'm no longer going to work for man. And you're also a man, by the way. I'm going to work for the King of Kings. I want to invite you to bring that business card. You can write on it if you'd like to, or maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to bring order in your chaotic world. And you trust God for joy to come back in your workspace. 
and in the way you do your work. Write it on this card and drop it and say, Jesus, today, symbolically, this is yours. I work for your glory and not my own. In Jesus' name we pray. You guys can come to the front. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.